While we're doing this, I want to invite Kim Schroeder up. She has a little testimony. Come on up here. Yeah, let's give it up for her again. Okay. Um, I think a lot of you know me, and if you don't know, um, I've struggled with a lot of sickness since I was born, and um, didn't get diagnosed till in my 30s, but I have a lot of autoimmune disease, and um, like tick-borne infections, and things that are invisible, but that cause a lot of pain, um, a lot of uh, mental pain, and in North Carolina, there's not a lot of doctors that treat certain things I have. So I'm a nurse. Um, I've always was interested in healing. Um, didn't really understand the depth of how much I loved healing until my relationship with Christ. And I've always contended for healing. I believe God's a healer. I believe that um, we can believe for things. I believe that we can't believe something too good. Like we can't believe something better than what he actually wants to do. And I've been, um, so I have like, you know, everyone collects books. If you're a reader on different subjects and my stack of books is on healing, whether it's Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, like whatever, like if someone's talking about the Lord being the healer, I eat those books up. Um, and in the beginning of this year, I had Two or three different prophetic friends say to me, they're like, Kim, this is your year, man. Like, I just so know God's going to break through for you. And it's hard with something that's like chronic disease because it's chronic and it doesn't go away. And with me being a nurse, like years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to just like, you know, eat paleo and long distance run. And then, oh, I'm going to eat vegan and do this. And I'm pretty hardcore, so I did that stuff and nothing worked and I keep getting sicker. And so... could be all those vegetables. Maybe. No. Yeah. <laughs> I have to eat more Bojangles. Yeah. <laughs> so. You don't get like this accidentally. <laughs> so anyway, this year, you know, I was really, my hope and faith has been building all year long. Like so much. I'm reading these books and I'm just like, you know what? It doesn't matter the situation or what I feel. It doesn't even matter what's going on or what I feel or what I see around me or I see that my friends are still in a wheelchair or my friends are struggling. I know who God is and I'm going to believe him at his word. I'm going to just say, you know what? I don't need to understand this. And my faith is building and I'm having like a pretty awesome year. And uh, around September, I started to get worse and I started getting really bad chest pain. Heart palpitations really bad to the point John and I had to decide to go to the ER or not. Um, tremors really bad. I'm shaking now because I'm nervous, but <laughs> tremors really, or actually, God, but tremors really bad and chest pain. And I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on. So we started pursuing, like I have a functional medicine doctor and we started pursuing, do I need a cardiologist? You know, is it Lyme bacteria in my heart? Like all the, the worst thoughts, but scientific. And I love uh, research and nursing, so I read a lot of articles, but they usually just instill a lot of fear. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I went and had um, blood work done, and I mean, I could barely hold my arm still for them to draw the blood. That was last month, and it kind of hit me. I'm like, God, we're at the end of this year, and I just, man, like all this faith, and all of a sudden, I got... <laughs> John and I had a, I'm pretty transparent. Sometimes I come up and I want to share this really graceful thing and then I get transparent. But anyway, John and I had a bad day on December. Oh yeah, November 12th. <laughs> and uh, it, it was just like this climactic moment of, we were both in the bathroom and, you know, I'm crying, I'm in pain. And it's hard for your spouse who feels kind of helpless <laughs> and we're not sure what to do. And John got pretty angry, and he doesn't. He's pretty stoic, but uh, started, like, punching the shower wall pretty hard and just screaming, and I can't share what he screamed, but he screamed bad stuff. And then, <laughs> but, you know, just kind of this desperate, like, God, why don't you just heal my wife? And, and I 
kind of lost it on myself. I didn't wear them today, but I, I started like punching myself. I gave myself a bloody nose and it was like blood everywhere and blood all over my pants. And it was just this moment of like, just kind of really losing it um, because I believe who he is. I know who he is and it doesn't matter. And I can declare it doesn't matter what I see. I know who he is, but I really felt like every demonic thing in hell came to strip everything away from me and to say like, he doesn't see you. He doesn't care. People die. This isn't who he is. I took all my healing books and I threw them up on a shelf. Anyway, that lasted uh, just like 24 hours. And then I come full circle and I'm like, you know, God, I'm sorry. I'm going to turn around and repent from that. Like, I'll go the way you want me to go. And so drove to the doctor on Tuesday. He had my blood work results. And the whole way down, he's in Fort Mill and we're in Huntersville. So the whole way down, I was just praising God and blasting Bethel music. And I was just like, I don't want to go back. When I drive my van back home, I am never going to go back to ever doubting. Like, I don't care what I see. I don't care if I die next month. He's a healer. Like, like that's what I want on my tombstone. My God's a healer. Like, I, whatever. So I go to the doctor, and he's sitting there, and he's seen me for like four years now. He had my blood work next to him, and I saw all these red lines. Red lines mean it's not good. It's either way high or way low. And, and he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, I emailed you. You know what's going on. You ordered these blood tests. They did tests for my heart and all this stuff. And he's kind of smiling, and he's like... Um, He's like, well, I know why you're having all your symptoms. He's like, absolutely everything you're having is because your thyroid's actually healing and you're on too much medication and the medication's making you have chest pain and it's making your heart race and it's giving you tremors. And he's like, your liver and kidneys are working so well that it's kicking your thyroid into gear. And and he's like, so we're going to take your medicine. We're going to decrease it by half and... And it's really weird after, I'm 43, and after 43, you're, like, you never get good words. You're just so used to it. And you're like, I'm big. I trust God. Like, it's okay. It's okay. God's faithful. So to hear this was really foreign to me, even though I believe him this way. Um, so I kind of made a point to immediately call Pastor Robin to hold me accountable to the fact that I'm healing. Because my own mind would kind of be like, Oh no, maybe I'm just swinging the other way. I'm just going to swing it. You know, like we can just think ourselves out of it. So that was the great word. But God's like, since then, he has been pouring into my spirit that he is a God. Like you think about the clock and like he comes through in the 11th hour and like the 11th thing just kept like today's the 11th and he comes through in the 11th hour and my there's just so many things about 11 and I don't know numbers or numerology much, but. God, just that speaks to me how intricate he is. And if we, I was shopping for my kids for Christmas and I was in this, I'm like bawling through the stores because he's like, do you know how I shop for you? I pick out the best stuff. I have it so perfect. I'm so detailed. I'll return things that you might've wanted, but I have something better. And like, I was just like, oh man. And, and then I really wanted to spend a lot of money on my kids because, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so I want to encourage you. And I've always felt in a way like litmus paper for the church. I don't know why. But I want to encourage you that God was saying, this isn't yours. This, this really isn't yours. This is my church's. And I believe that the Lord is coming through. I know, like, when I turned, th- I, on November 30th, I turned 43. And I was feeling horrible that day. And I just threw this picture up on social media. And I wrote, it's going to be a miraculous year. And since I did that, you know, sometimes when we speak things, in accordance to what heaven is saying, even though we're in pain. Um, and even like my behavior, John's behavior, there is nothing we did that spurred this on. It's all his goodness. So 2017, there's stuff coming into this church. There is healing. There are miracles. And you cannot be creative enough or think, you cannot think beyond what God is going to do. So believe him, believe him for like, Amazing things. Yeah. Do you want to pray for people after the meeting? Sure. Thank you so much. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, let's praise the Lord. Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for health and healing. Yes.
How many of you could feel the faith, the legit faith? Yeah, Kim has, right? And so she agreed to pray for people after uh, church today as part of the healing prophetic teams that we have. So any of you that uh, need a touch. One of the things to, to me when, when Kim was telling me this testimony, um, the thing that struck me when she's talking about she was in the doctor's office, she felt so bad. She didn't tell me about the cussing and screaming the blood, but she was to. I sort of like that, you know. We don't get healed because of our obedience. We get healed because of Jesus' obedience. If you're, if you're counting on it being yours, you, you're in trouble. But you don't need to be in trouble. It's Jesus' obedience. So she was just telling me um, how she felt so bad, and she sat down in the doctor's office, and she looked over there, and she saw all the red on her chart. And her mind was, her thoughts were, I'm getting worse. When the truth was, she was getting better. That those red lines actually were good because it indicated she had been over-medicated and she'd been over-medicated because now her organs have turned the corner and they're starting to improve. And um, I make no bones about how much I do love Bill Johnson. And um, the truth is he is, has some of the most amazing insights. And anyone here that needs encouragement, you really should listen to, to his podcast. He's got a great book out called God is Good. He's better than you think. And he, he presents it in such strong, sound, biblical uh, a manner. But um, one of the things he has said, and I know this to be true, we need to be thankful What's, what's our subject this last couple of weeks, Thanksgiving? We need to be thankful for what God has done instead of focusing on what he hasn't yet done. And see, that's really, you know, Kim's not up here testifying, I'm miraculously cured, absolutely, everything's gone, I ran a marathon, blah, blah. No, what she's saying is she is in this supernatural, miraculous healing process. See, a miracle, a miracle is ba-bam. But a healing is not necessarily ba-bam. And it's got, I mean, you know what I mean? Automatically, suddenly you don't have a leg, a leg grows out. That's a miracle. But healing is lots of times is progressive and it's agreement oriented. Okay. All right. So I just, I just, um, thank you so much. That was awesome. But be thankful for what you have. Yes. Importance of being thankful. Part three. Is that cool? Okay. What am I doing? I have no idea. Christmas Eve candlelight service. Do you hear the ladies? They'll get you here, man. Tough on you, but you're coming. Yeah, I just wanted to. That's the picture I took because I'm an awesome photographer and nobody gives me enough credit. But uh, I am. I got it going on. Listen, we got our permanent occupancy permit. I had an enemy that tried to encourage me often to be depressed the last nine months. I just didn't take him up on it. But um, how many of you spent months doing something you have very little skill at, very little interest at, and very little acumen for? And um, you know, you know you're getting ready to get clobbered. You just don't know where it's coming from. You see, it's, it's like... Uh, being a classic sort of Damocles hanging over your head. You know it's coming. You just don't know if it's coming from the plumbing or the electrical or... But I'm so great. I'm so happy today. Who's happy today? Anybody else? Somebody asked the other day, a group of us were happy. I said, "I'm, I'm Mr. Happy. I'm in charge of happiness. And I have, I'm, I'm physically messed up. I'm going to the surgeon about my knee, but I don't care. That's not keeping me from being happy. That's just a knee. I got another one, for goodness sake. 
All right, importance of being thankful. We've looked at this before. You can find um, part one, part two on queencity.church under, under media. The importance of being thankful is the key to abiding in God's will. Actually, you're going to have a terrible time as a Christian if you do not get thanks, being thankful on board. It's so important, Paul would actually call it the will of God. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's key to being a whole person. It enables us to access his presence. It's the key to supernatural provision. Has the power to release us from depression. Has the power to transform us. It can literally change our circumstances and it guards our hearts with God's peace and God's protection. Let's take a look at um, oops. Oops. I'm oopsing a lot here today. What happened to me here? Hang on. That's where I want to go, right? Nope, that's not it. In closing, here we go. Let's read this together. Ephesians 5.20. This is the foundation for everything we're talking about. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks how frequently? Always for what? All things. There's, there's something that happens even when bad things are going on that if you get thankful, it has the power to change the bad things into something good. Giving thanks always. You, you know, Paul spent a lot of his uh, ministry in prison, getting beat up. He died at least twice, if I can remember the scriptures right. I don't know how many shipwrecks he was in. He had no business being thankful. But he was a practitioner. And so he would write this to the Ephesian church. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mentioned even James Taylor, the uh, the artist, the singer, the songwriter, amazing man, seems like he's either an agnostic or an atheist. Even James Taylor said when he's thankful, his life goes better. You see, there are things that work, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, but they work better when you understand as a believer what it is you're really you're really doing. Giving thanks how often? For what? To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Rejoice frequently. Pray sometimes. Now let's read this together. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, one of the things I want to talk about, and I've already mentioned some of this, but it's, I call it advanced Thanksgiving. You know, when I was in college, uh, freshman biology was a 101 course. Anatomy and physiology was probably a 201 or a 301, 301 course. And so we, we're seeing these reasons to be thankful, you know, Thanksgiving 101 is you should be. Thanksgiving 200 level. It could break off depression. It can release supernatural ability. You know, all these different reasons. But then there's advanced Thanksgiving. And this, these are for people who want to do better than just get by. In other words, you, you want an advanced course in Thanksgiving. So what is it? It's thanking God for things before they happen in advance. Yeah, thanking God. One of the things Jesus did, I've been wondering why we don't function at Jesus' level, and it's not because he was Jesus and we're us. There, there are reasons, there are adjustments we can make. And one of the reasons is 
he would thank God when there was nothing much there to be thankful for. And it influenced heaven to act on his behalf and on the behalf of those, those people around him. Um, in this life, we will never have enough. Let's say that together. No, don't. But in this life, we will, and this is true, but I'm not, I'm not through with the statement. In this life, we will never have enough apart from God's supernatural provision and us learning how to access it by implementing spiritual principles. That really is true. Your life will never be all that it can be or should be unless you can access supernatural provision from heaven. If you don't learn how that operates, if, if you don't take to heart the fact that your life could be better if you were more in touch with Jesus and the Holy Ghost and you could access heaven. So there are two lessons I want to look at. The first one is give God what you have. Give God what you have. You thank God for what he's doing, not what he's not doing. You don't worry about what you don't have. You can't give that to God anyway. Give him what you do have. You see, so many people believe they're not skilled, they're not gifted, that they don't have anything, but it's just simply not true. You have something. Every life, God has put something of value in, but you have to have sometimes revelation to recognize what it is you have, and then you need to know who to give it to to maximize it. That was really good. That's tweet-worthy right there. It was just too long. It's over 40 characters. Now... Give God what you have. Exodus 4, 1 through 5. We studied Moses. We're going to get back to him once we get thankful enough to benefit from what he went through. Exodus 4, 1 through 5. The Lord has picked an 80-year-old murderer um, to go liberate 2 million Jews who've been slaves 400 years. You talk about having a slave mentality. I mean, you, you, nobody, I don't care how bad your life is, you did not have as bad a calling as Moses did, trust me. Um, and at one point, God tried to kill him, something about his kids. I don't even get that. Who knows? It not make any sense, but he had a rough life. Moses said to the Lord, so the Lord says, Moses, you need to go, you need to go convince these people you haven't seen in 40 years, that you're their deliverer. And that you're going to get them out of hock, and you're going to take them to a great place they really like. And, and Moses says, piece of cake, Lord, let me at them. No. <laughs> he says, suppose they won't believe me or listen to me. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. I'm going to tell you something. If an 80-year-old Jewish man supposed to liberate me came told me he met God in a sticker bush, I'd have trouble believing him. Right? If, if I met God in the sticker bush and you really like me, you'd probably have trouble believing whatever he told me. This is in the Bible. I love the Bible. I love the weird parts of the Bible. Now, there's some weird people. I, there's good weird and bad weird. I like the good weird people. I don't like bad weird people, you know, but I like, I like God. He is strange to me, but really, I am strange to him. We got it backwards. To dwell in a sticker bush as Almighty God is normal God stuff. It's just not normal us stuff. Well, he's not changing, ladies and gentlemen. So the Lord says, what's in your hand? And Moses said, a rod. He had had that rod for maybe 40 years. To him, it was just a stick. But God said, what is that in your hand? He says, a rod. He says, cast it on the ground. So he throws it on the ground, and it becomes a serpent, and Moses fled from it. And the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. I would never do that personally. Snakes bite. Any snake that scared Moses would scared me. Would scare me. He'd been out there 40 years. Repeat after me. Any snake that would scare Moses? Oh, never mind. Would scare me. Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And there's a picture here of Moses, the necessity for Moses 
to be subject to the supernatural power of God and trust God on a high level to see the big thing God wants to do in his life. There's no escaping trusting God, ladies and gentlemen. I know what a lot of Christians do. Their theology is primarily based on how to know enough about God to not need him. I did that for a number of years. We trust our theology. There's a difference in trusting your theology and trusting God. Huge. Reaches out, takes it. It becomes a rod. And the Lord basically says, you're going to need this later. But Moses had something he didn't know he had. Oh, he knew he had it. He just didn't know what it was. How much latent power was in that rod all those years? Just waiting to bust loose in the plan of God. That's a great way to think about it. Okay. Now, you may not think you have anything. You're wrong. You may not think you're skilled or gifted enough. You're wrong. You have something. What you need to do is give it to God. Well, it's pitiful. All the more reason. All the more reason. I remember when Donna and I were broke looking for couch money, and the Lord told me to give all my money in an offering. And I said, Lord, that's all the money we got. We're looking to buy peanut butter. And the Lord says, not much, is it? He says, not much, is it? And I thought, well, no. I thought, God, if I'm ever going to give everything I got, now's the time. It is. I can say, I have given, at a point in my life, my wife and I have given God every single nickel. We had one of those bank accounts where you could go a thousand in the hole. How many of you are familiar with those? You cannot imagine the joy in my house when we got back up to nothing. So I gave what I had to God. At a certain amount of risk. But I mean, how, you know, there's not much risk between $70 and broke. You're really in the same boat. You're just not, you're just not thinking clear. And from that point on, we never really suffered financially again. We, we were behind on house payments just through circumstance. Within not even 30 days from the time we gave that money, we were current on our bills. We were digging out of a hole in some ways, but we were current because we gave that little bit at the prodding of God into his hand. Um, I think about the widow that fed Elijah, 1 Kings 17. This is another, another example. Um, you can look this up. But it, um, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. How many of you read those verses before? Have you ever thought about what a crazy thing the Lord said? See, he's not even there. He's not there. He's by this dried up brook. And the brook dried up because his ministry was successful. How many of you realize sometimes the more successful your ministry is, the less you might really see that goes on? Never mind, I'm not going to go there. But No, see, he called for a drought and so the, the stream he was living from dried up. You got to think about that. Okay. Go to Zarephath. Since you're not there, see, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. That, that's like you being broke and the Lord saying, you know, that poor relative of yours that can't rub two sticks together. I'm going to use them to provide for you. Because widows, primarily, generally in Israel, widows were very destitute. They, they had, you know, it was difficult. So he went down there, and when he got to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. Here's the thing. You gotta see what you can't see when you're believing God. He, he, if he did not see what the Lord was saying, he wouldn't have gone. You, uh, 
Yeah, he wouldn't have gone. How many times have God spoken to us, but we didn't go, and then we're mad at God for not doing what we thought he was going to do? Okay, I'll just leave that. That's okay. So he goes down there, and he finds this widow gathering sticks, and so he says, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And she was going to get it, and he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And so here was her faith level. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I, here's her faith. Everybody buckle up. You want to have this level of faith. I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So Elijah wasn't being sent to this house of faith. It was another problem. He He was going to have to convince somebody who had nothing to give him the little nothing they were going to use to have strength enough to die from. Some of you, uh, that's pretty good stuff right there. So he says three words, and I want us to all say these words in a minute. Do not fear. Let's say that together. Do not fear. Do not fear. Some of you are sitting in this room. You have all kind of problems. You're scared. Your life's coming to an end. It's not. That's a delusion. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what fear's like here in a minute. I got to get to it though. I'm, I'm saying that for my own benefit. So, this woman makes him that meal. Cause Elijah says, don't fear. Do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord of Israel, God of Israel says, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. And that's exactly what happened. She gave what she had. That's powerful. So everyone has something. Be thankful for what you have. Look at somebody. Say, be thankful for what you have. Focus more on what you have than what you don't have. It really is good. Be thankful. I'm going to skip this. uh, I'm going to come back to John 6 probably next week. But I wanted to... I wanted to talk about God releasing protection when it, you know, so many people are anxious. How many of you are aware of that? And they're not anxious over ISIS because ISIS really isn't our primary terrorist. It's the news media. Can you imagine how happy you would be if you didn't know anything? That's me. Knowing about it doesn't do any, I mean, they're not inviting me to D.C. to straighten out the nation, right? I don't care what they do. It's none of my business. I'm in the kingdom. Now, it is my business. It affects me. You know, vote your blah, blah, blah. Do You know, but the real terrorists are, are the news media people. They identify how half empty everybody's glass is, even if they don't have a glass. You know, they're saying, hey, you know this guy over there? He's, he, uh, who? I don't even know who he is. So you need to know because he's really messed up and he could probably damage you somehow sooner or later. You should know. You should worry now. You need to worry right now. You need to worry in advance. And listen, we laugh. That's exactly what fear is. Fear is advanced, negative, creative thought. And nobody would argue about the reality of fear. But many people would argue with what I'm going to tell you the solution is. And it's because they're not stupid. They're ignorant. There's a difference. Ignorance means you don't know. Stupidity knows you do know, but you don't have enough sense to pay attention. They're ignorant. Now, 
Philippians. Let me see if I can get there. This is a great verse. Read this with me. Be anxious for several things, but they have to be big. Be anxious for... I didn't hear some. Some of you need to... Be... But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With what? Thanksgiving. With. With. Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. But nothing will happen. It'll just be. No. And the peace, some of my stuff slipped off the page. Uh Uh-oh. Where are we? And the peace of God, which surpasses. Now, here's what, listen, if you want to be happy, you got to ditch your understanding. Your reason is the treason of your heart, a friend of mine used to say. You are not going to be happy if you're always reasonable. You will always have a reason not to be. But the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. That's great stuff. Now, that word guard, here's what God promises. If if you um, practice what I'm showing you, I will have, I, I will keep you under armed guard with peace. See, that word guard is a military term. If you fulfill these um, provisions, I will set as peace around your hearts and minds a garrison, an army guard, a militant protection. It will guard your hearts. It will guard your minds. Now, here's what happens to people. And I know I've had to work through this because um, I, am, I am not joyful and carefree by nature. I can be as anxious and worry as much as the next person. But I've learned over time some of these things. What Paul says here is in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, he says this. Let's read this together. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he, whatever that was, exalt you in due time. Doing what? Casting all your care upon him. Everybody, everybody do this. Let's pick up your care. Go find something you're really worried about and pick it up. You got it? No, you don't got it till you're doing what I'm saying to do. And the Lord's right over there. Casting all your care. Now, the Amplified says, um, Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once for all, on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. But here, here's what happen, happens. Anxiety is a thought process that brings with it an emotion. You with me? Anxiety is a thought process that brings with it a negative emotion. And that negative emotion can stay with you even after the thought process has diminished to a certain degree. But the enemy uses that emotion to inform you that you're still worried. Just like Kim's chart was informing her she was getting worse when she was getting better. You have to know how to read these things. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying this. If the Bible tells us to be anxious for nothing, 
but by prayer and supplication and to cast all our care on the Lord and to do it with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the key to posturing yourself between, um, thanksgiving is, is the garrison between you and whatever you gave to the Lord. With thanksgiving. See, what you do is you give the Lord these things and the devil brings the emotion back to convince you to buy back into the thought process so that you'll be trapped again. But when you cast, it's the decision you make. I'm going to cast all my care on the Lord. Well, how do you know you did it? Because you said you did and that's good enough. I'm casting all my care on the Lord. Well, it doesn't feel like it. Well, Kim didn't feel better. She felt worse and wasn't true. Come on. You cast all your care on the Lord with prayer and thanksgiving. And when the emotion of it comes back, you thank the Lord. It's no longer yours. It's his. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving has the capacity to separate you on an ongoing basis from every single anxiety that you have. If you know how to work it. Now. Jesus lived a little bit differently. I want to live like he did. He says this in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, what things you, whatever things you ask when you pray, do what? Believe you receive them. So you have to believe you have them before you get them. See, Fear works that same way. You got to believe you're going to get that thing or have that thing or that thing's yours before it fully manifests. We, oh, this is so good. I got to say this. We don't have to be convinced of negative, destructive imagination. That's another definition for fear. But we do have to be convinced of positive, creative imagination. What am I talking about? Well, that's called faith. And Romans tells us, I think Romans 15, God's given everybody some. Everyone has a measure of faith. It just depends on if you're going to use it or not. If you use it, it'll grow. If you don't, it could shrink. It won't go away, but you got to, you got to use it. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When do you, when do you believe that you receive it? When you see it, when you feel it? No, it's when you pray. Now, that's, that's, now this is how Jesus was successful. He did this and it worked for him. So much so that he said, you can actually do this with mountains. You can, I mean, the verse before, if you cast a mountain and see and don't doubt, doubt in your heart, you shall have whatsoever you say, he says. Isn't that dangerous? Well, life's dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that naming and claiming? I don't care. Go argue with somebody else about it. Jesus says, this is what you do. I'm, I'm with him. I'm, I'm with Jesus. Me and him. Just the two of us. Now, in other, um, I've read an amazing little concept here to, to, to um, demonstrate or illustrate what I'm talking about. Here's, here's a for instance. If a man puts a baby goose into a, a bottle and feeds him until he is full grown, so you got a full grown goose in a bottle, trapped in a bottle, Everybody's got that goose in a bottle? Everybody with me so far? Can you see him in there? He's honking, baby. He wants out. How can the man get the goose out without killing the goose or breaking the bottle? You got a real serious problem in your life. There ain't no way it's going to reconcile. What you going to do? You got a goose in a bottle. And the problem is you got to get the goose out, but you can't break the bottle. How do you do it? Man, the bottle has a small neck. You look at the neck. Here's what you do. You analyze the dog out of your stuff and just to confirm yourself that it's impossible. 
bottle has a small neck. The goose can't get out. I'm going to have to break this bottle. I'm going to have to kill that goose. But you can kill the goose, piece him back together. He's going to be a dead goose. You can break the bottle. You can have a broken bottle. How do you get him out? You ready? There, he's out. You skip how. How's reason is overrated. But Jesus said it a different way. He said, whatsoever you desire when you pray. I got to get a goose out of a bottle, Jesus, and I can't kill the goose and I can't break the bottle. When you pray, believe you receive, bam, he's out, and you shall have whatsoever you say. Jesus says that's the way you handle certain problems. I have no trouble convincing people the reality of negative destruction, destructive imagination. It's another definition for fear. That's what fear is. You're afraid of stuff that may never happen. You're just imagining a bad result. You're imagining a dead goose in a broken bottle. But we have to be convinced of positive, creative imagination. That's called faith. Oh, man. I had to practice this, putting this building together. If it hadn't been for Mark Brittner, and even, even as good as Mark did to help me, it wasn't good enough. And what I mean is we had problems neither Mark or I could solve. We, we had one day, Andy, Andy was here, we called in a permanent, we called the inspector, we were dumb as bricks. We called in the inspector to give us a permanent occupancy. When you don't do that, you get a temporary. The only problem was it had rained more that day than it had rained in any single day, and this is true, this is accurate, than any single day in Charlotte, North Carolina all year. And we had a problem. We had um, a drain-sized hole in the roof we didn't know about. And we, were, we had buckets. Somebody look at somebody, please say buckets. Buckets of water coming into the men's room. And it wasn't through the urinal. It was through the roof. But we didn't know it was up there. We sort of thought something. So we asked um, we asked a roofing expert to come in. He said, "Oh, here's what you're going to have to do. It's going to cost you five, six, seven thousand dollars. You're going to have to rent a crane, one of those cranes big enough to pick up the air conditioning unit back up off the roof, disconnect all the hoses, and then we're going to have to put a patch down, and then you're going to have to reinstall and relocate that air conditioning unit on top of the patch, and and you'll be good to go." Thousands of dollars. We still wouldn't be in here. So Andy Andy came in the room, was looking at me about it. And uh, I said, oh, man, it's it's a problem. It's just not that big a deal. I, I didn't panic. Isn't that the way that worked? Andy was designated panicker. I was whatever. Whatever. This is good, man. We're, we're, we got nowhere else to go. You, you remember the time Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to see you on the other side of the lake. And in the middle of the lake, this horrible storm came up, and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus comes walking by and acts like he's not even going to talk to them. Well, he already told them where to go. He wasn't concerned. He knew they'd get there eventually. But they were, oh, it's going to die, it's going to rain, it's going to fill a boat up. Uh, we're blue, it's going bad, all going to die with my friends. What's going to happen to my wife? What's going to happen to my mother? Well, it's my mother-in-law. She'll be out. What's going to happen to my kids? They ain't going to be able to go to college. We ain't going to pay off the car. Or you can just believe God and just let Jesus worry about it. I was, was going to let Jesus worry about that. It was too big for me anyway. And then it turned out $100 fixed it. 
Mark uh, Brettner and, and Mark Rear and um, Denny Segrist remembered that there was a plumbing vent up there somewhere that may not have ever been capped off. And so we jacked that air conditioning unit up a little bit, and Denny went in there and patched it up and let it down, and we were good to go. It didn't cost $200. Or you could worry. I'm opting out of this anxiety things, ladies and gentlemen. I, yeah, yeah. Worrying is way overrated. So, let's just go with Jesus. How many would just want to go with Jesus? Okay, all right. Well, praise God Almighty, isn't he good? I'm thinking I'm going to be thankful. I'm, I'm thankful for you people. I'm thankful for what God has given us. I'm thankful for what's coming. I'm thankful for what's on the way. I'm, I'm really believing we're going to have a national revival in our nation that's going to touch every segment of society. I do not believe we're going down to tubes. I don't. I just don't believe that. I have such a great sense of where we're headed as a nation. We don't need to be afraid. We need to have faith. You need to believe God for a better job. Uh, you, need to, you need to believe God to make more money so that you can take care of your children and do kingdom stuff too. And, and you're, you have a bright future. Let me repeat, you have a bright future. Let me repeat, you have a bright future. Let's say that together. I have a bright future. Can you feel that? How many of you can actually feel that? Let's say, once is good, twice is better. I have a bright future. My chart looked bad, but it meant it was good. You have a bright future. Bright. Welded goggles. Okay. Kim Schroeder is going to pray for any of you today who need a healing or a touch along with our other team members. Stephen, we have some people on hand. If you will come up right over here and have a great week. Do uh, Just do something wonderful. Go adopt someone in the room that you don't know to be really kind to them. Give them a Christmas present. Get their name, their address. Mine's 189 Sneed Road, Fort Mill, 29715. If you don't find anybody else, I am a good receiver, but I'm cool. All right. God bless you guys. Have a great week.